Hello and welcome everybody to the September 13th episode of Jacket Talk. I'm Scott Reed. We are just two days away from kickoff between Georgia Tech and Virginia this Saturday, 3.30 on the flats at Bobby Dodd Stadium. Preview this week's uh, big matchup between the Jackets and the Cavaliers. Uh, last week, uh, remember Tech uh, defeated Presbyterian 59-3 to in the home opener. It was great to be back on the flats for that game. Uh, great to have a night kickoff. It was a 7 p.m. kickoff at Bobby Dodge Stadium, and uh, first time I had been on uh, on campus for a game, uh, actually only the second time in about a year, because uh, I've been living away from Atlanta, and just a great, great scene yesterday. It was not a sellout uh, by any stretch, but uh, students came out full force. Uh, it was a great night, great weather, great tailgating, uh, and a great atmosphere, and good to see a Yellow Jacket win 59-3. to A lot of people were talking about after the game, what can we take as Georgia Tech fans from that game? And we can take some. Uh, I think the importance of the game should neither be understated nor overstated. Uh, it's gl- glad to have gotten the win, um, even though it's pretty superior, especially with a short week with almost no preparation. Definitely want to go out there and have a comfortable win, and, and the Jackets did, which was good. Uh, the first thing I noticed was the defense had another great outing. Uh, only three points given up to the, Pres- to the Presbyterian College Blue Hose. And those three just coming on the final drive, uh, where it looked like the second or third team defense was in the game for Georgia Tech. And uh, another great performance, just uh, holding the Presbyterian to just over 200 yards uh, total for the game. Tech rolling up seven over 700 on offense. Uh, but it was a defense and great linebacking play. Uh, Brandon Watts, Jeremiah Talchew, uh, those guys, uh, Jabari Hunt Days, uh, led a linebacking core that's really wreaking a lot of havoc this year so far through two games. And... Something that, as a Georgia Tech fan, I'm really, really glad to see, seeing as uh, in the first four years, now this is, this is year five of, the Paul Johnson, uh, of Paul Johnson's career here at Georgia Tech, the, the, the offense has not been that much of an issue. It's been the defense has been the problem. Uh, we saw it with Dave Womack uh, through the first two years as the defensive coordinator under Johnson, and then now with Al Groh, it's taken Coach Groh until about year three to really uh, get this defense more towards where he wants it to be, and Good to finally have a unit that so far, knock on wood, except for those final 44 seconds of the Virginia Tech game, that uh, we could really be confident in as Georgia Tech fans. And that was my number one takeaway from Saturday. Really excited to see how that defense play really well. Again, Presbyterian was not a great opponent, not a great, uh, not that many great uh, athletes there on the Presbyterian side of the ball, but still, uh, teams and conferences. Uh, teams from BCS conferences can't have p- much poor outings against FCS opponents than we did. So, excellent to see that. The big storyline uh, that a lot of fans left the game talking about, understandably, was uh, the quarterback position. We all know um, the the good and the bad of Tevin Washington and the unfortunate end to the game he had in Blacksburg last Monday. And this time on Saturday, this past Saturday, was the first time that we got to see uh, anybody else besides Tevin line up under center this season, except for the player two that Senjin Days gave uh, Washington a spell during last week. But uh, we finally saw some significant playing time, finally saw some playing time period from Vad Lee, internet message board hero, uh, message board hero and internet meme Vad Lee. And uh, Vad... uh, Wowed a lot of people and got in first around halfway through the second quarter, midway through the second quarter. Uh, first two passes right on the money but dropped. Third pass was a uh, touchdown uh, throw of over 80 yards. 
And uh, many people were commenting at the game, the best thrown ball we've seen in years as Georgia Tech fans. Still, though, the struggles or the, the downsides of Lee right now were evident in, in his play. Uh, not, not a great manager of the offense uh, so far. It looks like he's struggling a little bit to get control of the triple option and to be able to make certain read, decision-making, uh, make decisions, etc. Um, but I came out of that game personally as, as a Tech fan and as an observer thinking that, uh, look, we, we really may have a guy that not only can spell Tevin throughout this year, but perhaps can get significant minutes and even pass Washington by the end of the year. And I don't say that simply as a hopeful fan who always looks towards the backup quarterback or grass is always greener, greener on the other side kind of fan. But I really think this guy is, uh, Lee, uh, is a special player, and he could be a special player. And and to be honest, as a Tech fan, although we love Tevin, we love him for what he's done, um, I don't see the – he's a good manager of the offense, but not – even that even that is not significantly better than the other options we have. Um, I don't think Washington it's, – it's hard to beat Josh Nesbitt in terms of grasp of the offense. Josh was something of a genius in that triple option, uh, that triple option setup. But Washington really, uh, I don't think, has – shown himself to be that much better than the next best option, which, uh, of course, will lead fans to start questioning whether we should have another another option in there. But but Saturday night wasn't wasn't about that. It was about giving a chance for a younger guy likely to shine. Also had a 79-yard run. Um, showed a lot more escapability than we've seen from Washington. Uh, and I think almost a quicker, in terms of quickness, uh, quicker than Nesbitt, than Josh Nesbitt. Maybe not quite the force to bring down that Josh was, but that a lot of potentials as a runner and as a passer. That was good to see uh, as Jacket fans. Uh, the other thing I really uh, was intrigued about is uh, through two games, we've had some really excellent special teams. And I know that was a point of discussion in the offseason, especially with the eventual hire of now special teams coach Dave Wachowski, but through two games, Tech is two for two on field goals. They're we're booting it out of the end zone on kickoffs. Punt coverage is great. Punting is great. We've blocked one field goal. From, we did. We fell on a fumbled punt snap on the, in the Virginia Tech game. I would say all is well right now, knock on wood again, through two games in terms of special teams. So good to see that on Saturday. Overall, I think Tech took out a lot of frustrations against Presbyterian uh, and won the kind of game that you you want you play the kind of game you want to see from a team playing an FCS opponent and, and a particularly poor FCS opponent that is uh, in in the form of Presbyterian. Now, though, uh, we begin to look on towards this coming Saturday, and it's a big game, folks, coming up in two days ga- two days time as uh, Virginia comes into the flats. Uh, at Bobby Dodd Stadium, and Virginia is a team, uh, I, have, I have several thoughts on Virginia, they are, uh, I believe personally, I, I think they're on the rise, um, the, went to the Chick-fil-A Bowl last year, I think Coach Mike London is, will, is doing and will continue to do a great job up there in Charlottesville, now he's entering, I believe his third year, first year was a little bit tough, he had that big win against Miami, but I think that was his only uh, conference win of note two years ago, and uh, London, from what I've read and heard over up at the uh, up in the state of Virginia and the press in the state of Virginia, is that he is starting to take back some of that recruiting ground, uh, that photo recruiting ground in the southeast part of Virginia, that Tidewater region, Norfolk, uh, Virginia Beach area, that is so crucial to have 
if you are uh, recruiting in the state of Virginia for the last 10, 15 years, ever since the Vicks, really, Virginia Tech has owned that area, and that's given them a lot of talent and a big leg up in terms of in-state competition, uh, in terms of battling with Virginia, with the uh, with the Virginia Wahoos, with, with the Virginia Cavaliers, and London is starting to take some of that area back, and with that comes a lot of talent. And with that comes a lot of talent at the skill positions. Virginia has always always had um, talent on the lines, and I think that is a reason why Virginia has a program has achieved a lot of success, or more, more success than you would think, considering the relative stature of the two programs with Georgia Tech. In the last 20 years, we all know about the, the, the so-called curse of George Welsh, in which Tech did not win any games in Scott Stadium between 1990 and 2009. Um, but more than that, Virginia has... Uh, beaten uh, Georgia Tech when they when they shouldn't uh, hung uh, hung with them uh, when it looked like it was going to be a rout uh, and uh, overall I think Tech Virginia has been a sword sword in Georgia Tech's side and of course last year we all remember that uh, Jack had started six and started six and zero oh. Virginia came in uh, Tech traveled up to Charlottesville and Virginia went home with the victory uh, and as that started to inject a little reality into the 2011. Georgia Tech season, and this this series actually one of the closest uh, in the ACC. I was reading the game notes this week. The series between these two, actually Virginia leads. It is the only, or the uh, it's only the third, I think, series in which in the ACC in which Georgia Tech is not leading. Tech trails for both Virginia Tech and Florida State in the all-time series, um, but Virginia leads uh, Tech seventeen to sixteen in this series with one tie. This will be the 35th meeting between these two. Um, and a couple of milestones at Bobby Dodd Stadium we'll talk about in a second, but let's get to this matchup. Uh, Virginia coming in at 2-0. and uh, They did beat Penn State last week um, in Charlottesville, partially by virtue of the Nittany Lions kicker going 1-5. for five. But Virginia, I think, is coming in very confident, and they should. Uh, as I said, they've got great line play, uh, Really great size along both lines, and that's been something that Tech has struggled with um, in their history. So Virginia, as I said, a lot of size along the line. Cody Wallace, 6'4", 295. They've got uh, a guy who weighs 310. Luke Bowanko weighs 295. Uh, Connor Davis, a backup right guard, weighs 305. They've got a lot of big guys. Uh, Morgan Moses, a... Uh, the right, the right tackle for the Virginia Cavaliers weighing 335. They will certainly have guys um, who will bring their size up the middle, uh, excuse me, along the line for for the offensive on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Perry Jones, a running back, um, is a really capable rusher for uh, the Cavaliers. But really, uh, I think the story so far this season for Virginia on offense has been uh, the quarterback, Michael Rocco. Rocco beat out uh, Phil uh, Sims, I think. It was the highly touted transfer from Alabama. And Rocco so far is having an excellent year. He is through two games, um, sports a 66% completion rating. Uh, has thrown three touchdowns to only one interception. He's had the fortune due to that offensive line of only being sacked twice so far through two games. And he's a guy that will maybe, if he gets the time back there, be able to pick Tech apart on defense. So um, Tech going to have to defend the pass. Excuse me, folks. Tech's going to have to defend the uh, passing attack of uh, the Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, and on the defensive side, 
as I said, um, strength along the lines still a, a hallmark of this Virginia team, and that's something that um, Tech's going to have to contend with. Um, the offensive line, I believe, of Georgia Tech is going to have to have a much better game uh, against the Cavaliers uh, than than the Jackets O-line has had, both against the Hokies and the Blue Hose. Um, this was a unit, uh, Jacket fans, that was really highly touted coming into the year. The coaches were excited to have such an experienced, big group of offensive linemen for the Jackets, but so far have not been that impressed. Um, even Presbyterian, I think, got in the Jacket backfield uh, several times when uh, Tech was trying to run the option, and the pitch play was almost taken away every time. We really haven't seen a well-executed pitch just yet, folks, um, from the Jackets this year. But so far in this game, it looks like the spread here, as where two days can kick off, is so anywhere between seven, seven and a half, and I think nine points in favor of the Jackets, and that's a little large, I think, uh, considering the the strides that Virginia has made as a program. I look for this one to be close. Um, but I also look for this one to go in the Jackets column as uh, <clears throat> I think overall, I think our offense is going to start clicking a little more. And I am still uh, very impressed with the way our defense has gone. I think this one being at home um, in Atlanta is going to have a uh, big impact because I think the Jackets will take this one and move to 2-1 and one on the year. Let's talk a little bit. Um, let's go around the conference a little bit. Last week, I was uh, really impressed again with how this ACC uh, – with this Atlantic Coast Conference group has done this year so far, um, with the exception of the Miami Hurricanes, who went up to Min, uh, Manhattan, Kansas, and absolutely laid an egg, losing 52-13. to But the ACC overall, not done as, poor, as poorly as some would, some would think or guess, um, especially in relation to past year's results. The wins haven't always been pretty. NC State just beat UConn 10-7. Maryland beat Temple 36-27. Of course, Virginia knocked off the Penn State due to those missed field goals. But heck, wins are wins, and really we haven't had embarrassing losses out of conference uh, as an ACC, as a conference in total. Uh, looking, looking ahead, uh, looking ahead to this week. Looking ahead to this week, not that great of a slate of ACC games as a lot of teams are still playing some warm-up games. Best game of the week might just be Virginia and Georgia Tech, or Georgia Tech. And Virginia, uh, Carolina plays at Louisville. North Carolina plays at Louisville, three thirty, same time as our game. Uh, they play on a- ABC and ESPN. Uh, Louisville, number nineteen in the country. But uh, beyond that, let's see: North Carolina Central and Duke, uh, not a great matchup there. Carolina, uh, NC State, South Alabama. I think State's favored by thirty or so. BC plays at Northwestern in Evanston, Illinois. Uh, Northwestern two and zero in the year. Um, they did beat Syracuse in the Carrier Dome earlier. And Boston College uh, played Miami tough and beat Maine last week. I'm a little intrigued to see how that matchup goes, but um, still not must-see TV by any stretch. Clemson and Furman, uh, that one should be a breeze for the Tigers. Look ahead, folks, to next week. Looking ahead to next week, Clemson plays at Florida State Saturday at 8 o'clock. That may be a game day game. College game day may go to Tallahassee. If so, that would be great exposure for the conference. Miami hosts Bethune-Cookman. Uh, Hurricanes, that's their final tune-up before they come to Atlanta. Wake and Florida State will play at 12 noon, and that's actually, uh, I would slot that the second most intriguing game of the week in the ACC behind Virginia and Georgia Tech. Wake has given Florida State some fits lately. Uh, Last year, the uh, Demon Deacons 
uh, knocked off Florida State in Winston-Salem. I think it was like 38-35 or something along those lines. So, so let's see if uh, Florida State can not look ahead to next week's game against Clemson and uh, can take care of business against Wake Forest. And Virginia Tech goes to Pittsburgh, and the Panthers are having a rough year so far. Losses to Youngstown State and Cincinnati. Um, that matchup would will be a conference game next year, but uh, let's look for Virginia Tech to take care of business in that game. And the, the final game uh, of the weekend, Connecticut and Maryland. Um, UConn played NC State last week. Maryland, 2-0, but uh, they're not going to make any noise uh, in the conference this year. A couple of notes. Uh, this Saturday will be the 650th game at Bobby Dodd Stadium. Um at Historic Grant Field. That's a uh, really cool milestone um, for that stadium, for this Georgia Tech program. Of course, uh, Bobby Dodd Stadium still the winningest uh, Division One stadium. I think Neyland Stadium sits number two behind that. I think Tech, Bobby Dodd's about 15 games ahead of ahead of Tennessee's Neyland Stadium in the in the standings in terms of winning a stadium. But beyond that, it will be a nice uh, nice day on Saturday as we honor the 60th anniversary of the 1952. Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, the national championship team. Um, they'll be honored at halftime. Pepper Rogers, uh, former Tech quarterback and Tech head coach, will be the honorary captain of the game. So uh, stay in your seats at halftime, Jacket fans. That should be a special moment as Tech honors the 1952 national champions. And they also will unveil a statue of Coach Dodd outside of the stadium, out uh, on Callaway Plaza, kind of behind the north end zone. As uh, Coach Dodd's statue will be out there for fans to see. That's going to be great. Um, of course, Tech already has the statue of John Heisman, but we had to move it inside as I think it got damaged a little bit by weather. But that will be absolutely great for fans to be able to come to a home game at Bobby Dodd Stadium and see a, a statue of Coach Dodd. Apparently the group of former Dodd players was has been really close-knit, and they really they got this done. They raised the money for it, and supposedly it's, it's going to be, be really great, look really great. And uh, it'll be there for years to come. And one more, one more uh, news item, folks, before we sign off here in the this September thirteenth episode of Jacket Talk. Big news of the week kind of came out of nowhere, but yesterday morning, as I'm sure everyone is now aware, the uh, Atlantic Coast Conference announced that it will partner with the University of Notre Dame, as the Fighting Irish will move to the ACC in every sport except football. But in football, they will be contracted to play five games a year against Atlantic Coast Conference teams. That was a shocker of a deal. Um, for those of us who have followed kind of conference realignment, that news of the ACC speaking with Notre Dame had been um, kind of in the, just under the headlines. Um, for those reading between the lines, that had been something that had been discussed. But we had always thought as fans that that would be something there would be something of an impasse because. Uh, Commissioner Swafford had always said, we'll have no partial memberships. Uh, if a team comes in, they come in all or nothing in terms of in terms of sports. And um, But still, that announcement coming yesterday, first reaction was, wow. Second reaction was, wait, not all of football. But my next reaction was, guess what? The ACC is much better off than we were 24 or 48 hours ago. Uh, and I'll explain why. Uh, number one, um, it's, it's more stability. We now have a $50 million buyout 
um, which for pretty much any athletic program in the ACC would be too hefty to pay. That means that nobody's leaving, which was a worry. Um, just two or three months ago, Florida State and Clemson were rumored to be looking at the Big 12. Number two, uh, I think this is great for the conference because um, it brings us uh, Notre Dame in all the other sports. It's not football. Uh, it's not Notre Dame football, but there's still national following in terms of other sports. Uh, not only that, I do think I do think that this is a move towards a full membership for Notre Dame in the next five to ten years, which would be great for the ACC in terms of exposure, in terms of prestige, and in terms of money, and in terms of strength in general as a conference. Even if, though, we stay at this five-game scheduling scenario, that's okay. I think every team in the ACC, and Georgia Tech included, will love, will love playing Notre Dame once every three years. It's great exposure. It is great prestige. It's being on TV. It's a sellout. Um, and that will raise the profile, I believe, of this conference. Looking forward to Notre Dame uh, starting this partnership with the ACC. We don't know when it will start. Um, it could start as soon, early as next year, but but um, could take a while for them to separate with the Big East. That does it for Episode 4 of Jacket Talk. I am Scott Reed. We'll see you on Saturday out at the Flats as Georgia Tech hosts Virginia. Until next week, so long and go Jackets. Go Jackets.